You're listening to Movies for Decades. Welcome to Movies for Decades. This is a film history podcast where three siblings talk about movies. And uh, this episode, we watched A League of Their Own, uh, 1992's A League of Their Own. And that's a very special movie in our weird little family. Just like last episode with Blade Runner, uh, we're kind of on like a family movie tour. Yeah, this is the opposite end of the spectrum. But yes, yeah. season, season two, we're doing the years that end in two, 92, 92. very important, good year. Yeah, and uh, I really like the 90s as a decade for movies. The dialogue, that's the thing that stands out to me most about movies from this era, is the dialogue is always good, even for kind of movies that are maybe B-movies or something like that. There's like, there were good screenwriters out there that were out there to crank out snappy jokes and... <laughs> and uh quippy lines and they're all good and uh yeah. I, I might as well throw out who those people are in this movie yeah who wrote this thing uh lowell gans and babalu mandel oh. uh they are a husband and wife writing duo neato and they worked with Pe- the director of this film is penny marshall who was um laverne of laverne and shirley um you know how much laverne and shirley i've watched none none yeah. <laughs> but uh, Penny Marshall, the director of this film, she started off as Laverne from that show. And uh, two of the people who were writers on that show were Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. So That's she knew nice. them from back in the day. And so they wrote this very snappy screenplay together, which mm-hmm. I imagine coming up with snappy lines kind of helps when you're uh, when it's a writing duo like that. Yeah. That wasn't a beer. Grip it and rip it. It's not, it's not Fizzy a beer. water. We're recording this on Black Friday. We're all pretty tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had an epic Thanksgiving yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned about an alcoholic beverage known as the sidecar. Yes, we did. And we are all recovering. <laughs> but what a great movie to watch when you're recovering. It's a, a good comfort food movie. Yeah, it always has been, really. Yeah, this is um, one of my cold movies. This is one of my I don't feel good or it's raining or I just want to lay on the couch today movies. I associate it with like extended family, even like when we would have like get togethers at our grandmother's house. It yeah, was always. This movie smells like grandmommy's house. I don't yeah. know how else to put it. Like I just yeah, a little feel bit. it when I, whenever I sitting down in front of this movie i'm transported to grandmommy's house for sure yeah yeah we watched a lot in aniston um i also would say this is a movie that is one of the reasons i became a baseball fan ah i mean i mean because i mean it is it is i mean good baseball movie obviously like you know one thing that's weird about this movie is that of course i watched the hell out of it before i was even really interested in becoming a baseball fan yeah, and I and of course I remember I had to had people had to have people explain to me the the ending of this movie and I'm like, what happens? Yeah, They're like well she dropped the ball so therefore she's not out and I'm like this is all gibberish. To yeah, me. <laughs> I don't understand what happened there. It's a big play at the end, play at the plate, and she dropped. 
I didn't get it. Yeah. And <laughs> In I fact. Something I love about this movie is you don't really have to understand the rules yeah, of that's baseball really... to find it really exciting. Yeah, that's the only thing that, that you actually do have to get about baseball is like when someone's out. Yeah. <laughs> and then touching and, the base. And yeah. really it's that one play that's the only one where you have to actually know a little bit. And I and so I, I can state with evidence because otherwise that did not matter to me at the time. Now, of course, watching this movie, I'm like, I'm like, I really like Rosie O'Donnell's swing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now you know a uh, lot about baseball. I know. I, she's got a really good swing, actually. You have pennants on your wall above us as yes. we record. Weird. Um, <laughs> um, I think another one of my takes this time around is that, like, I mean, the Racine Bells deserve to win. Yeah. I mean, the Rockford Peaches kind of blew it, so, you know. Yeah, so, so it and goes. they lost so many key players through <laughs> the I mean, season. Yeah, but they lost them to marriage. <laughs> Boo! Yeah, it's actually secretly an anti-marriage film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> marriage, you know, to two marriages. Like, oh, the, oh the, the husband comes back from the war and it's very emotional, but you're going to quit? Boo! Yeah, it's anyway. that classic <laughs> double standard of like if um you know men get married they wait till the off season or they're not expected to go on their honeymoon immediately. M- men have a kid, they're not expected to watch them in the dugout. Men's wife comes back from a somewhere far away, they're not expected to drop everything and go be with them, but some it's all subtle reversed. some subtle like funny dialogue there funny and also kind of subtly dark dialogue there with the whole like what well, can we you know when she's asking tom hanks if she can bring steel well her son yeah uh, on Evelyn. road trips yeah and and she says like he's he says he doesn't have time while he looks at the one ads yeah so which is like this guy's her husband's a deadbeat yeah he's unemployed he's unemployed <laughs> and sucks and won't help take and his and and she's the one with the job in the family yeah. you know that that's the subtle feet little quippy and yet he exposition won't take there care of steelwell angel <laughs> Steelwell angel yeah so you know it adds some like well okay of course she's spoiling him she's she's you know how else is she she's not getting any help raising him yeah anyway um pretty good movie uh it's kind of your pick i guess yes. more or less yeah i pretty much insisted that we watch this movie when i we were doing the twos and 92 came up and i was like there's no other movie besides this one this movie lives at the core of my soul um i have said many times that it is my favorite movie i questioned it honestly a little bit today This movie is a nostalgic movie for me. It's a comforting movie. It transports me right back to what it feels like to be a teenager, what it felt like to be a teenager. It, it made me, it certainly made a huge impression on me as a teenager. And I'm so grateful that I had this movie and watched it over and over. I'm proud of myself for gravitating toward it. But this time around, I don't know if it's the mood I in, I'm in or what, if I really have grown as a person or if your 30s really do just change you, but it felt less like a profound lesson of a story and more of just a nice story, if that makes sense. Whereas like for years, like Dottie Henson was my role model. She was like the pinnacle of cinematic femaledom to me for years, for my whole, most of my life. Like, I, I am she, you know, like, that's who I want to be like, like a leader and imposing but kind and prioritizing family over career. And there's some lessons and some takes in there. It's like, is it a good thing that I identified so strongly and directed my life so 
directly along her path. And then there's some other things where I'm so glad that I had this movie as an influence on me. It's complicated. It needs unpacking. Hmm. Um, would you say that maybe it's just later on you watch other movies that have other strong female characters? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I was starved for it in the 90s. I loved Charlie's Angels on TV land because it was just women fighting. And I just loved to see women being competent. Like I was just desperate for it as a kid. I was like anybody who is like, handing a dude their ass for any reason at any time even if it's all about their boobs in the actual show like in charlie's angels like i just crave it i just wanted it all the time just ladies being this uncenter stage and being kind of tougher and smarter than the men in the story it was rare back then and i feel like it's not so rare now which is a good thing yeah it's a good thing um I also appreciate how the fact that the men in this movie don't necessarily all suck. Yeah, they don't. You know? <laughs> they're flawed. They're complicated. I like how everyone is a person. I mean, yes, this movie is also has some weird screwball comedy aspects that I didn't remember and was kind of thrown by. Like, I, I think some... all of the screwball comedy is quite funny. Yeah, it's quite movie. funny, but it's like, it's not this drama that I remembered it being. Like, it's really a comedy. It's really light. It's really silly. And it has some kind of cheap jokes. Like, there's some fat jokes directed at Rosie O'Donnell that I did not remember that kind of made me uncomfortable. There's some of the Steelwell little kid stuff that's super, super broad and kind of excruciating. Yeah, he throws, <laughs> Tom Hank throws his glove or something at that kid and he falls over. Yeah, and he hits him right in the with face. Laughter. And it's you like guys a- are zero fun if you don't think that's deserved and funny <laughs> i mean I, when i was a kid i was like haha lamau yeah but like uh now i'm just kind of like man what's this kid even doing in this movie yeah, like, yeah. Well, we established he can't be, he can't be taken care of but he also is very annoying yeah he's yeah. also i mean he's, but he's like caricature cartoon annoying he's madonna threatens the, to kill him i know yeah she chases him around the bus with a bat and, like there's these screwball comedy moments in this movie that i had just never registered really and like there's lots of slut jokes directed at madonna there's like kind of these archetypes in this movie of like you know madonna whore literally only Madonna's Wait a one. second. I'm starting to I'm starting to maybe realize something, hmm? which is that these are all things that stood out with with me in this movie when I was a teenager. Oh, wow. When I was like 10, 11 years yeah. old watching this movie. Man, I just saw it as like this beautiful ensemble cast of all these different women with different personalities, how, you know, doing something groundbreaking and impressive and That's funny. I was into this movie partly because of the hijinks. <laughs> yeah. And I, just, I mean, yeah. it was like, yeah, yeah, okay, girls the main character was like cool, whatever. <laughs> Mostly I was there for the hijinks and yeah. the 3-minute peeing scene from Tom <laughs> Hanks. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was definitely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, Tom uh-huh. Hanks is so over the top as a kind of drunk asshole. Yeah, you kind of are reminded of his like comedy actor roots in yeah. a lot of parts. Who's <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> great just, pipes in this movie. When he makes like all these faces when he was at the end of the movie when he's trying to tell Evelyn or whatever her name is, yeah. uh, like hey, you got to hit the cutoff, man. And he was like, you know, using all of his comedy actor skills, making all these faces, trying not to scream and be nice. And yeah. honestly, I liked that growth a lot, you know, out of 
out of his character, like that he learns to manage a little bit better and yeah. he doesn't just scream. And um... Come to think of it, where this movie sits in Tom Hanks's career is kind of right before he started collecting Oscars. Like mm. right before Philadelphia. Yeah, because uh, I think Philadelphia, is, Philadelphia, I think is 93. Mm. And so this is 92. So I think this is where he is like kind of like, is known to be a really good actor, mm-hmm. but is still maybe mo- most known for being a comic actor. Yeah. So like we're kind of so we are. It is kind of full using Tom Hanks's uh, comedy skills here in this movie, but yeah. of course you know he's also wonderful in this movie. Yeah. Do you remember uh, the th- the anecdote about this movie from um, Dead Eyes? That he said. What was his anecdote? Where he said he felt like he was hot stuff and he was making all the money and he'd finally made it and he thought he got to be invited to like viewing the dailies with the director. Oh yeah, was it and about this movie? I think so. Yeah, it was Penny Marshall that said this to him. Where he, she was like, the actors do not get. Oh, I don't think it was go. this movie. Really? It was I Penny Marshall was, with something else. I think Penny Marshall directed Splash. Okay. Let me let me double check. But so, yeah, but yeah, she, uh, he, she was directed. The, no, no, no. She actually, I think, directed him in some TV shows. Okay. She yeah, also yeah. directed Big. Yeah, oh, she directed some of uh, several yeah. of Tom Hanks's. Movies. Okay, yeah. so but yeah, she was the one that put him in his place and was like, "Excuse me, Sonny. Like actors do not get to go. We are going to rip you to shreds, and we're going to talk trash, and you don't get to be in there." while we have our conversation about what takes are good and what are not. You are not yeah. that special. And I was like, hell yeah, Penny Marshall. <laughs> yeah. Um, reminding Tom Hanks that he's not that important. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Tom Hanks is that important. He is America's dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing like how much of Tom Hanks's allure or whatever, why he's so good in movies is – just that he's kind of gross, you know, <laughs> like he the spitting all the tobacco he's spitting and stuff. And he's just like nasty looking. And I think that's why people connect to him so much is because he can really just spit. He can, just be <laughs> he a can really be like he's got good personness, a lot like um, uh, Harrison Ford, who we talked about last time. He just mm-hmm. you can kind of see that he's tired. Like <laughs> he looks he looks hung over like he looks he actually really appears to be hung over. <laughs> You know, and um, yeah, Tom, yeah, there was something about the late 80s, early 90s, like movie star men were had real regular guy energy, and I really missed that. I wonder if it's like Brad Pitt and George Clooney changed. Did that. they ruin it? Maybe. I just am pulling that and, out of my ass right now, yeah, but like, I think I'm wondering it? if that's that's where some, where some of that comes from, yeah, because I um, miss regular guys kind of being regular and relatable and down to earth and kind of spitting and sweating and peeing for a long time, yeah, seeing really tired, <laughs> yeah, <and hung> over, <laughs> like <laughs> those were the good old days. Of course, one of the things I really like about this movie in general is that is that like all everyone is kind kind of dirty and sweaty it's a very like dirty sweaty kind of movie mm-hmm. honestly yeah, it's gritty. like there's very much like kind of a real people and in the fact that they really did on purpose choose kind of dumpy looking like locations yeah and um and and just and and like there's also like they did some real hard training on the baseball side of things where yeah like apparently really... that bruise shot oh it's a real it... bruise because oh, oh, wow. those those stupid skirts that they have to wear in this movie and that i guess the actual league i mean they they would get beat up yeah you know sliding and getting you know they they, yeah, they got, I, they got beat up trivia i love that they made every actress in this movie actually be able to play and taught everybody how to play baseball and part of the audition was 
trying out like they kind of try out at the beginning of this movie and some people didn't get the part because they couldn't play i mean i remember seeing that that newsreel midway through the movie and i'm like did rosie o'donnell like literally just to throw two baseballs at once like yeah, i think she did i mean <laughs> like i think she's got one of the better looking swings yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's so impressive, like, what an athlete Madonna is. Yeah, and, Rosie yeah. O'Donnell and Madonna are like, I wish there were more films. I wish they had done a whole, like, slew of buddy films. And they're actually best friends to this day really? because of this movie. Really? Oh, and my like, God. They, like, go to each other's experience. birthday parties. Like, they are, they have interviews together, so they're actual besties. I love that. I love them <laughs> in this movie. They have great best friend chemistry. Yeah, I didn't really know who Madonna was um, you yeah, know, when I first kid. saw this movie. And so, because, you know, I guess that was sort of yesterday's big pop She was an thing. 80s person. Bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. She, she was, was still huge in the 90s. She was still huge in the 90s. Because this is early 90s. Yeah. I guess we just kind of have a slight excuse. Like, we knew who Britney Spears was, of course. Yeah, you because know. that was a while later. When yeah, we were older. when we were our age. But anyway, so <laughs> I remember just, like, watching it again like oh madonna's in this and i'm like where's madonna and i just like you know i wouldn't have ever because i mostly remember her character yeah yeah you know? yeah she just she's a really she's good actor in this movie. Yeah, she's yeah. just a plain old good actor i mean yeah i would have there's nobody gets this weird focus in this movie like here's the pop star we have in this movie so we have to give them a moment yeah. like she really is just one of the the characters it yeah. also does make me laugh though that you don't really remember a lot of madonna's hijinks in this movie because uh they made an impression on me yeah of course they did yeah <laughs> well i just remember that she was kind of the um the sexy one but i just didn't remember how like heavy-handed that was it don't fit you may it's too tight i don't plan on wearing it that long. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> just they just lay it on so thick and i just forgot i guess when you're a kid, that level of thickness just seems like normal reality, kind of. It's like kid level of understanding. And then when you're an adult, you're like, wow, did they just like make Rosie O'Donnell eat a hot dog because she's like bigger? Like, ew, that's ham-fisted. No, because she jumps into the stands. She jumps in the stands and comes up with the hot dog. And it's she's do- they're all doing bits They're all doing in that bits. montage. Yeah. I, I like I like that, that section of the movie a lot. Yeah. Um, Man, montages are hard to get right. And the montages in this movie are really? like top tier. This movie's got a lot of montages, actually. Lots of, yes. Yeah. And I was also paying attention to some of the baseball action, how it's shot, obviously, because I'm planning on doing that. Yeah, you're going to do and, a baseball movie. And I was I was, I was, was paying attention to a lot of how it was shot. And I think it's, um, and of course, it's re- and edited and stuff. And I think I was noticing, I don't know how many movies actually do this if you actually pay attention, but it, it's following that center frame rule hmm. that uh mad max Fury road really does in particular as well really yeah which, which i mean maybe it's the just center of the frame the the, the ball main or the... the main point of action okay. in a shot so throw, is center frame and the bat yeah the, catch. Like the main object of of action is center frame so it's so that of course helps cut it helps it cut together so that it, you can cut quickly to different action moments and it all stays coherent because the viewer's eye stays in the same spot, mm. which is, of course, the big trick that Fury Road does. I feel like a lot of action movies fail at that. They, a lot of action movies fail at that. And so, like, I didn't, I was pleasant, I was, I didn't necessarily expect to see that. And so I learned about that and, like, that's how they pulled it off with Fury Road is they, is they did that very intentionally of mm. every single, like, 
main point focal point of a shot is the center frame and so i was sort of vaguely surprised i'm like paying attention to this movie and i'm like huh this movie's doing that too and that's partly why it's, I think, very coherent and, and dynamic and fun to watch again, regardless of whether you actually have a full comprehension of any of the rules. Yeah, I mean, you know? it, but baseball is, as I said on our Shaolin Soccer episode, baseball, in my opinion, is the most cinematic sport. It just lends itself to a drama and a story and uh, a, a film well, I mean, it's very character driven. You get yeah. you don't you don't have people's faces obscured by by uh, equipment. Yeah, you, you get you can you know it lends itself to Dottie and Kit glowering at each other in the batter's box. Yes. you know, right there, that's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of you slow know. moment where you, the characters can just give each other a long look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's partly another reason why I ended up b- deciding to become a baseball fan. Is I was a, is this movie introduced that concept of like what a you know of what a individual character sport it is yeah you know yeah the pitcher's an important character that has their own personality every at bat is slightly different and just just generally it's a it's a character driven you know group of people yeah as mom was saying it's a fractal narrative um so yeah like it, it expands and contracts and every little piece is its own story the outfielders are their own story and then you can expand all the way out to the overarching season and where they are in the season is its own overarching story and then each series is its own story and then each at bat and it just yeah it's a fractal like yeah and i love that i love that about baseball and this movie illustrates it well this movie has some fractals yeah <laughs> yeah um i mean because there's the overarching thing of like will the league stay uh-huh. or will it get shut down when the men come home and will people actually start to come to the games and yeah, then they it also does. do focus down into like at bats are tense and exciting and you're wondering and you know how many people are Thank on base you God. yeah <laughs> it does like keep a lot of different plot lines all coherent which is yeah it keeps so you difficult interested in all yeah of i mean because there's the the whole thing of kit and dotty and their sibling rivalry and honestly there's a whole middle section of the movie that just ignores that yeah like it sets you up at the beginning and then at the end it becomes relevant but there's this whole midsection where they barely even pay any attention to it it's just about the team it's just about the team and it it still remains coherent it's not like oh yeah and and even um marla getting married is like well that's a whole other plot line that just sort of ends in the middle of the movie and then okay and then we keep going and yeah yeah. it's like baseball it's an ensemble and each individual character is also important in their own person Mm -hmm. yeah and of course you get tom hanks's arc from being just a drunken like generally mean guy bitter guy too yeah i have a i have a soapbox a little bit get on that soapbox um i a critique of this movie i have heard is that it's a problem that the character that experiences the most growth is Tom Hanks and is the male character. Okay. And okay. Yes. Maybe he experiences the most growth, but why is that the most important thing? Like, why can't a character that has the most integrity also be the most important character? Cause Dottie is a pillar of integrity and stoicism is also a valid character trait. Like the critique I've heard is like Dottie, supposedly the main character, horribly underwritten, hmm. motivations and personality very minimal. Tom Hanks, huge character, huge personality, huge amount of growth. And I just object to that 
fundamentally because I find Dottie to be an extremely compelling character and an extremely well-written character. And it's just hard to write and portray a quiet person mm-hmm. and a stoic person. And it's less compelling when someone stays consistent and true to themselves and sticks to their guns where it's more exciting to watch someone start out a loser and become a nice person. But I think that they are equal and one, it's not that one is underwritten and one is well-written and one experiences a better arc than the other. I hate that pitting them against each other comparison. Yeah. Soapbox done. Sure. I mean, hmm. I mean, I don't really agree with that criticism, but I will say that I think it's maybe my own criticism that the, honestly, the sibling rivalry aspect of this movie annoys me slightly. Hmm. Like, I I, it, I feel like it's a little, like, wedged in here and there. Hmm. I don't know. It's just always gotten on my nerves because both of them annoy me. <laughs> like, in terms of the, like, I think they both need to, like, chill. Wait, you don't relate to it? I relate to Dottie's side of it. I don't really understand yeah. Kit, but I don't really understand. I think they're both kind of wrong and they both need to chill. <laughs> I like that part of the movie. I mean, I think it's fine. I think it works. But, like, it's it's never been something I fully, like, buy. Yeah, wait. So, sidebar, the sibling thing. What do uh-huh. you actually think about Tom Dottie's underwritten and Tom well, okay, Hanks I'll, only, I'll, I'll, is the uh, only one who grows. Sure, I'll respond to that because I did have my own thought thinking about this movie, having watched it again recently. Is that like I kind of one of my reads on on one of the things I like is that one of the thoughts that popped in my head was it's kind of a compelling. I like stories that portray someone who's not comfortable with how good they are at something yes i love that about this movie and i love that about Dottie. yeah i like that i think that's really interesting and i'm I'm like i like stories that do that but then i was thinking to myself like wait how many stories do that yeah i mean you could argue that superhero stories do that a little bit often yeah yeah you could argue that you know that's kind of the spider-man thing Mm -hmm. like it's kind of a superhero thing where it's just like they're like not really comfortable with how great it's like this is not really what I care the most about, I'm just great at it. Yeah. And that's Dottie. With, I wish with... this didn't have to be who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, she's like, what? It's not that big a deal to me. I can, you know, like from the beginning, she's like, well, I really would rather just like be a normal person. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't need this, but she is, you know, great at it. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's an interesting. So I don't know. I guess I don't, I don't really. You don't see her as an underwritten character. Well, now I've never heard, I've never heard that critique, but so now I'm kind of, sitting on it but uh I, I i will say that i think that is my own thought is that i like that sort of story theme yeah and i relate to it so much in my own life truly just like that's something that i didn't know that i was going to be that way and i didn't do it on purpose even though i said i kind of modeled myself after Dottie, that kind of intimidating icy sort of vibe like i wish i had that <laughs> and i try to i try to convey it sometimes um where it's like i got your back but i'm gonna look at you real hard <laughs> but uh but yeah no that i mean Dottie is fantastic i love movie. her so yeah. much but yeah and gina davis is fantastic yes yeah. she's my favorite actress almost because of this movie lol i met her omg anyway um <laughs> <laughs> uh but what i'm trying to say is yeah somehow the arc of my life has kind of mirrored this where i find that i have been good at things and people have been like wow helen you're really talented at irish dancing you you dance like you love it wow Helen you're really good at academia you could be a professor you you know like I have done things and been praised for them and had authority figures be like 
do this. You're, you have a talent. And I've been like, have had to say, no, this isn't me. And it's scary. It's hard to say no to someone who's like, she says no to Jimmy kind of with the, I just got, it just got too hard, which it was not supposed to be hard. Yeah. Lol. That's what she said. Whatever. Um, (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dumb joke about that scene, but whatever that whole scene where she's just like trying to say like, no, but I loved my life at home. And that's okay. And that should be allowed to be okay. Like, I'm going to maybe run the dairy someday. And that's a small business. And I love my hometown and my parents. And that's okay. Like, you don't... And they're saying over and over, you're going to miss this, Dottie. You play like you love it. You can't say that... You say you did something with your life. Stay and say you did something with your life. And it's like, excuse me, living in my hometown and having a family and running a business is doing something with my life. And if, why should I do something just because I'm good at it if I don't love it? It's my dinner with baseball. Yeah. And I mean, it makes me think every single time I watch this movie, and it makes me look at my own life, take a long, hard look. Like, should I have gone on to grad school? Would I be happier? Would I be successful at it? Like my professor said I would be. Should I have competed when I, what should I have gone to com- competitions when I was a dancer? I didn't want to. That whole scene intimidated me. I didn't, I just wanted to dance because it was fun. I didn't want to compete. And everyone told me I should, I should. You dance like you love it. Helen, you dance like you love it. No, Dottie, you play like you love it. Like it just, yeah, it speaks to me so profoundly. And yeah, there aren't other movies like that that I can think of. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question because I think it's a compelling story idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then Tom Hanks, he experiences the more traditional growth arc. Yeah, I think that's not, I don't think that's a great take because ultimately he is the, a supporting character. Yeah. yeah. There's no confusion about whether he's the lead or not. They yeah. didn't really go over why he seems to quit drinking. Yeah. You know, well, they, it doesn't, nece- they don't necessarily say he, he actually just quits drinking. Less. He, yeah. just, he just becomes less of a destructive, self destructive person, you know. It seems like he was maybe just like hour. awake at the right moment and he was like, oh, there's baseball on. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. I like you know? baseball. Well, actually. like, I think the other thing, and this is, this is partly why this, the baseball sport lends itself, is that, like, you know, they play every day and at some point he notices. If, since he's half asleep in the dugout every day that like he's gonna after a week he's gonna begrudgingly go like these people can play yeah <laughs> you know so yeah. still not w- when, when you're playing every day so um yeah yeah um, here's a here's a thought I, I, i'm kind of gathering from some of that latest spiel there is that like i wonder if this is an interesting example of a movie and this is maybe a movie that this is a movie that is like a female-centric movie, you know, a, a woman's sort of perspective movie, but isn't necessarily a feminist movie. Hmm. And you're like, this is what you do when you tell sort of t- tell a female story, but you don't have, like, specific feminist themes in it. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, there's kind of inherent I don't know. Is themes. that true? I mean, yeah, I've heard that, the, like, I think that 
some podcasts that I've heard had this movie overhyped as an extremely feminist movie, and then they watched it and were disappointed. And they were uh-huh. like, what? Dottie just goes home with her milk toast husband? Which, you know, Bill Pullman is not a milk toast. He's a dreamboat, and it's very, their relationship is very sweet. Yeah, and he was supportive <laughs> of her. He didn't come home yeah. from the war and be like, what is all this hogwash? Yeah, it's like, you know? get back in the kitchen. No, he was proud of her. He was in the stands being like, that's my wife. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, Bill honestly, Pullman's a dreamboat? No, okay. He's cute in this movie, but he's not like okay. people were like trashing him like who why would you leave baseball the funnest thing in the world for that lame dude bob what a terrible name like i've heard such well that's the whole thing. shade on bill pullman in this movie and i think it's wrong and mean yeah <laughs> don't yuck dotty's yum yeah i'm sorry <laughs> yeah see i um okay I just don't, of course, you shouldn't hold this movie up as some kind of feminist text because I don't think it was ever supposed to be. But I mean, it's but, I mean it, is, it is like a, a positive movie compared to lots of movies from the 80s and 90s. I mean, it's certainly I, a step in the right direction in terms of like having a movie with mostly women in it is a good thing. And directed by a woman. But I mean, it's about also a kind of a iconic feminist moment in history. The Rosie the Riveter, we can do it. All the women going to the workforce and that little speech that, um, what's his name, gives Mr. Lowenstein or whatever his Which name is. Which is definitely some of the like, just here's theme in the movie yeah theme and exhibition where it's like what <laughs> you know? you're gonna kick them off the team and send them back to the kitchen you're gonna kick them, all the rose all the rosies have to leave their rivets like this is not gonna fly and like that was the birth of second wave feminism was world war ii and the we can do it and the wait we want to have jobs we want to enter the workforce we don't want to just be mothers and wives like we got a taste of having our own money and it cha- it did change everything it was a it was a monumental moment in history and women's baseball is a little microcosm a little slice of that and it is interesting through a feminist lens. And then there's like, then why did we make Dottie the main character? Because she just wants to be a wife and mother. But I don't know. I would like to say that is also a feminist choice because just being true to yourself and not doing what whoever wants you to do is an, is a feminist choice. Like, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that she wants to do a more traditional role. But I mean, I was offering praise for the yeah. movie with that question. Is that this is mostly a movie that's just letting its characters yeah, it's just letting its tell, characters their, tell, tell the their own story. Yes, and then you know? like Kit is the one who rebels and is like, "I don't want to just be a wife and mother. I don't want to just live in my hometown. Like, I want to do this. I want to play ball. Like, this is what I love, and it's a man's world. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna enter it, and I'm gonna excel. And like, yeah, it's yeah, every character." is yeah like you said their own person and it's complicated and it had been this ham-fisted bob had come home and been like what is this hogwash then it wouldn't have been as good of a movie it would i, I kind of think bob should have said like why are we going home yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't you have the world series yeah, going up <laughs> yeah exactly but i mean again like yeah that dotty just was like she could not wait to leave she was there for kit I mean, and, and she also was we like, have that... thank God you're back so I don't have to do this anymore. Like... Also, we get the movies a little ham-fisted there with the fact that it, it, you know, butts together, you know, Bob coming home with that really heart-rending, you know, uh, telegram scene. Yeah, woof. Woof, you know. Um, yeah. 
and it's a hard scene it's a hard scene but i I really like it in the movie in part because i mean i think it's 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 a wonderful scene yeah it's a very strong slice of life at home during world war ii yeah i mean world war ii telegram and your your husband your son your brother is dead and that's all you ever that's all the closure you ever get sometimes their body never came home yeah you know like you know it's it's interesting how like you know this is a movie that just sort of plops that in and, mm-hmm. and doesn't need to make the whole movie about being World War Two. It's just we get how intense World War Two was. Yeah. But who knows, maybe we're forgetting. And this yeah. movie still remembers. And uh anyway, um But yeah, we can go back to the circle back to the sibling thing now. Whereas okay. like the reason Dottie's there is entirely for Kit from the beginning. I mean that's not entirely true. I mean <laughs> Do- Dottie's maybe lying to herself a little bit. It's such a debate. <laughs> you could watch it a hundred times and get a different read. I really do get a different read every time where it's like, does she want to be there? Does she not? This time it really felt like she's just, she does feel bad that she overshadows Kit and she's trying to help her and do the right thing and give right good advice. And she's just trying to help, but she can't help but be kind of overbearing and she sticks her foot in her mouth and she... She's just like, why do you always have to be so good, Dottie? Like, like Kit says, like, I feel like I've gotten that from people where it's like, you're trying to help, but you're just making me feel worse about myself. Like, you're, yeah, yeah, you know, I guess, I guess what it is, is, is that like, ultimately, I'm kind of on neither of their side. Yeah. And I think, and so it, it maybe, I guess, takes me out of the movie. I'm not sure if that's the right way, but it, it, it does make me kind of. I don't know if I necessarily have this as a big critique, but it's definitely something I've always been like, Kit needs to chill. She's She's got an important part, role in this team. What? You know, she her sister's the catcher and the star hitter. Yeah. Okay. You're the, you're on, you're the pitcher, you know? And then, and then meanwhile, also like Dottie needs to, I don't know, like say like, look, it's not all about you. It's not about me. I don't know. Yeah. I just generally, that whole thing is like, it's giving the, story inner conflict but i guess i don't fully buy it Hmm. what do you think john i mean i've always liked that part of the movie i always like um i think it concludes well yeah yeah i i honestly it's always like choked me up a little bit uh towards the end when they uh you know after she's won the championship or whatever and uh they're talking out you know by the concession stand yeah. and i don't know i honestly just think it's a touching moment and um i don't really feel like i need to agree or disagree with either character to appreciate they them having a difficult relationship and them like working through it. working through it and you know and they love each other and and it's hard you know it you know family's hard and and i don't know i just that's as, as simple as it gets i don't really I, you know, the the inner, the specifics of their conflict almost doesn't matter. It's just uh, an emblem of relationships being difficult. And I think maybe a slightly, um, maybe a somewhat better version of this script has just a little bit more meat on those bones. Mm, yeah. That's maybe what I'm getting at, is that it's primarily just about, like, most of their conflict really is just about the game. Yeah. There's you not know. a whole lot of meat on a lot of bones in this script. It is a light yeah, movie. And, it's and, tight, it, yeah. and that's kind of, I guess, my point about like, you shouldn't look at this and be like, what a feminist film, because it really needs to, it really didn't actually make that strong of a point. I mean, <laughs> you have to extrapolate, do a lot of extrapolating yourself on like, well, this is wartime and this is, 
the birth of second wave feminism. And a it's a fun just, movie. Yeah. yeah, and it's just kind of like, yeah, but they don't get that far into it. There's too many characters. There's too yeah. much hijinks. They can't. They couldn't really actually digest that. You yeah. Know? So, and just uh, planting yeah. the seeds and having an allusion to it is good enough. And that's sometimes all the thought you need to have is just have it be subtext. And then you've it's still experienced those ideas without being beaten over the head with them. And I think that's a good thing. But I love the siblingness of this movie. I love stories about siblings and I love stories about friendship. And this movie is both. And I love stories about baseball and I love stories about stoic characters. And it's just all of those things. It's so many things that I love, but um, yeah, the, so did Henson drop the ball? Did Dottie drop the ball on purpose or not? I, I see no reason to think that. Uh, I think she she honestly dropped it. Yeah, I think... They didn't show her face in the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, if they had wanted us to think that, I think they would have got given us a close-up of Gina Davis hmm. uh, during that whole scuffle. It was a hard hit. I think was... she dropped the ball on purpose. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. I think Dottie's playing to win if she's playing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like in that moment, she was like, I'm going to give... Th- this is my last game I'm ever going to play, and I'm going to give this to Kit. She did a big sister. She pulled a big sister. Well, then that makes me even more... Dislike both of them even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's a strong argument to be made for either one. I think... And right now, today, watching it, I thought she dropped the ball on purpose. I feel like I've had that thought before. But I think I think John's right. I think if, if this movie was really trying to sell that, there, there would be one more insert. Hmm. In yeah, there. it was so fast, and it was really just... I was like watching it closely this time, expecting for a sort of insert, you know, but like a slow slow-mo. motion moment. Yeah. Well, it was slow motion, but again, it was like action. It was like these bodies were blurry. And again, yeah. you would have like, you would have seen a look in the eye either before or after the hit. And it kind of didn't really give it to you at all. Like, uh, then it was just. Um, Kit celebrating after that. Yeah, but and that moment with the, them in the c- concession stands when Dottie's saying goodbye to Kit, I get Dottie being like, "I, you know, I've done, it. I've given you your career. Now I can go home." Like, I mean, I think that's true either way. I think uh, it seemed to me that like acceptance yeah. that um, Gina Davis, you know, Dottie was feeling a little competitive still. Mm. Like, I, I, that's what I was reading. Is she had a little bit like of uh, an urge to compete still with her sister mm. in her face and that maybe she seemed a little annoyed even somewhere deep down that, <laughs> that she had she lost this so game <laughs> that she does not that she keeps telling herself she doesn't care about mm. yeah definitely yeah and uh, she's like i lost and i'm pissed off you know <laughs> i think that's what i was reading in the performance there huh. Um, definitely yeah she's not thrilled that she Helen you should have asked Gina Davis when you met her I know how did you play that scene how did Penny Marshall tell you how how does Penny Marshall okay something I know about this movie is there is a deleted love scene between Tom Hanks and Gina Davis I've heard the audio from it it's so there's audio from it yes on the unspooled podcast they play it it's excruciating doesn't that like ruin the whole vibe there yeah i hate the shipping of jimmy dugan and Dottie. i hate it no but i do like the sexual tension there yeah i mean but there there can be sexual tension without actual yeah, like, yeah i agree yeah, yeah where it's it feels... like they, she you know they have this mutual respect and this kind of 
intense friendship and this little rivalry and like there can be little hints of sparks without any desire in either of them to act. Well, there can be desire, but I just think I just think it works better that it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And so they made the right choice, and I'm actually kind of mad that I know that exists. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it made me read certain scenes differently. Like, okay, the they had shot that scene, and so these actors like knew that that was in the script and so they were maybe it was influencing their performance in spots so like it was so awkward between tom hanks and bill pullman yeah when they shared scenes and i'm like that's because they had this love scene that they were either going to shoot sometime it's, soon or they had already shot and so that was in their to mind meet the so of the person you have a crush on no matter what whether yeah, you no, kiss them I, or not i think yeah. that's i think that's a wonderful <laughs> moment where he's like ah you know no that's that's definitely i thought well but but yeah, no, good choice to cut that yeah, out. Yeah, such a good, good choice. choice. Would have to... been awful if they yeah. had if they had kept that makeout scene. Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like... not that there's anything wrong with Gina Davis and Tom Hanks making no, out. No, but just these characters you know. and like there's it's again so much more real to just have two people with like strong mutual respect and like maybe some mild attraction and they just are like no, but no. Yeah. Yeah, like. That that's just that's how people people are complicated. Yeah, people have weird mixed up feelings, and it doesn't have to be this like heightened acting on every impulse thing that movies yeah. often do. Honestly, catching feels and then nothing ever coming of it is way more common than cheating, yeah. probably in real life. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it happens constantly. So it's like, yeah, so I nice see that portrayed in a movie. Yeah, yeah, it feels like the real world, you know. And yeah. I like things that feel like the real world in that way. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is so like, yeah, dirty and dusty and organic and alive like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. W- wonderfully of... directed, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Penny Marshall. Yeah. She, uh, uh, yeah, just, just from reading up, she actually apparently just happened to watch this documentary called a league of their own about the, um, all American girl baseball league. Hmm. And she had never heard of it and just watched this documentary. And she's like, well, that ruled. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll make a movie out of that. And she basically just called up the documentary filmmakers. Neat. And said, hey, I'm making a movie out of your show. <laughs> Work with my screenwriters. <laughs> and voila, there's the movie. Nice. And so I think that's even partly why we get that kind of long extended sort of uh, framing device of this movie of the Cooperstown uh, real all-American girls were honored and stuff is because yeah. she wanted to actually spend some time paying real tribute to the actual women who were in that uh, league. In the league, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, also we've complained before on this podcast about newsreels as storytelling, but I really thought that the newsreels in this movie were fun. And yeah, no, they were used for comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I liked them. Yeah. And I think a lot of the baseball announcing and a lot of the newsreel footage is kind of where my silly transatlantic accent comes from, is straight from this movie. I've seen enough to know that I have seen too much. This like, movie does. Just... This this movie does have a sports movie pet peeve of mine, though. Oh yeah. Which is the you know, and it's a pet peeve. Is was that like the play-by-play person is not broadcast in the stadium? Yeah, that's true. And he's it, on the radio. And, and whenever I see that in a movie, I'm a little bit like slightly annoyed. I mean, it's fine to have a play-by-play guy for the audience and all that, but yeah. like uh, I'm like that's not portrayed in the 
stadium, and that would be so annoying if it did. If you're in the area, anyway. which you must be on in the area because this isn't a very powerful radio station. <laughs> oh, John Lovitz has so many good lines. Oh my gosh, John Lovitz. Speaking of radios, the radio from Brave Little, Little Toaster. Toaster. Yeah, <laughs> I did not remember that he was so screamingly hilarious <laughs> in this movie. Um, and he has like, I don't know, eight minutes of screen time or something. he steals it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not very nice. Wow, that one really hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. just everything he says is stone cold. See how it works is the train moves, not the station. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he's just a jerk. Yeah, I really think uh, more movies should just include some just like hilarious jerks. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, he's so fun. And he isn't, you know, like he's... He's more just really real, you know, and he's he's says mean things, but he's never like lying, you know. He's just Not like once. being yeah. a jerk, you know. Yeah. He's just being indelicate. Look, someone just got the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is kind of weird how he like touches Kit's arm and is like, "Oh, you're strong." He's like, "Tell you what." <laughs> you do have a strong arm so <laughs> i guess you can play baseball <laughs> yeah. which of course yeah if you milk cows all day you would be a good pitcher yeah, yeah. you're just if you're on the farm yeah you're stronger yeah. than average yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah great movie great movie i've i like it a lot it chokes me up okay the thing that really uh yucks my yum in this movie is the um backward forwards in time the beginning with the uh modern day scenes and the ending especially the ending with the like and now they're all old and meeting up again and i really think you could take that out of the movie but and that it'd be was so the, much better like colin was saying the homage to the real yeah i think that's players. partly why P- P- penny marshall wait am i suddenly mixing up our names hmm um just making sure i'm penny the director yeah, I yeah the, the director i you know she she was really making she really was taking pains to pay honor to it i also kind of think that's more of an this era of movies framing device that i think you don't you see less of now i'm not yeah. positive that's true it's a 90s thing mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm again i'm a little bit the like the whole movie is a flashback yeah i think that kind of framing device is like I, you know, because again, we first watched this movie in the '90s, mm-hmm. and that nothing about this movie seemed dated at the time. Yeah. But now I'm thinking, like, you know, I think most modern movies don't ever employ that kind of framing device. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, it's Titanic. <laughs> yeah. It's Titanic. Titanic kind of finished that framing device yeah. off. Yeah. You know, and it, I just, um, I don't know, like the ending shot without the, um, the present day footage or whatever uh is just the the bus riding away and i'm like honestly if you could just slap some credits on there that'd be great like Mm uh but i don't know it just i i feel all kinds of feelings and stuff for the end of the uh the period piece part and then it gets to the old folks and i'm like oh this is just so syrupy and dumb and it really and it really kills my vibe it kills it just murders the vibe and also yeah and also the music in those sections are so dated sounding so like 90s lifetime movie Uh, it is the hallmarkest section of movie hallmarkest twinkliest little like yeah the music really threw me watching it this time like 
I still don't particularly mind that section of the movie. My main complaint is that it's long. Yeah. Um, especially if you combine it with the 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 uh, very slow Madonna song at the end, Woof. which I actually kind of like. <laughs> I actually kind of like the song. See, okay, but, here's, another, <laughs> here's another thing about Madonna being in the movie is um, you would expect the the producers or whatever the writers to be like, okay, we're, there's going to be a girl who writes a song on the bus. Mm-hmm. And clearly we should give that to the pop star, but they don't go that way. Yeah, route. they don't. They don't go there. Some, some other lady writes this song and, and like, yeah, the I, pop star teaches the girl to read a, a Harlequin romance. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. That's, I just, a lot of times are like, we have a singer in the movie. So, well, she has to sing. She has to, we have to have a scene with her singing. It's like, no, Madonna's just, <laughs> Madonna's just having a grand old time yeah. being a slut. So, like, <laughs> and then she's, she's making a living playing baseball. She's making, yeah. she's playing baseball. She's being a slut. And it's also, awesome. she was a taxi dancer, which is, do you know what that is? No. You know what's so random thing is I had never heard of a taxi dancer. Mm-hmm. And until I started going through, uh, Stanley Kubrick's filmography, hmm. and there's a taxi dance. The love interest in his second movie, Killer's Kiss, is a taxi dancer, and hmm. that figures prominently in the plot. So, what is a taxi dancer? Basically, it's like there's a club. Um, there was, I guess, it was more of a thing back in the day where it was there was dancing clubs hmm. where if you're a dude and you just wanted to dance with someone, you paid to have one of the ladies who works there dance with you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Which is it's not quite prostitution. It's 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 not some slob but, sweat gin all over. But you. someone who's like yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone's you know, random people be dancing with you whether you like it or not. Yeah. They've paid to be in there. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and um and Rosie O'Donnell's um in this movie, her character Doris's dad ran the club and Oh okay yeah. and Doris was the bouncer and that's why they're yeah. friends in yeah. the story. Um, yeah, I like it. I yeah. love Madonna's character. Just like every time I see this I'm like madonna rules yeah like, she does rule like, in this movie her character i just i just love her and i think <laughs> i know a behind the scenes thing i'm not 100 percent sure about this but it, they had to have all those extras to come and pretend to watch the baseball game and apparently there were some long days where everybody was bored and things were getting changed around and you have to entertain the, the stadium. shooting days are long yeah entertain the stadium full of extras but Madonna refused to sing, even though she was on set and could have, and they all would have loved it, and they all kind of wanted her to, and she was like, "No, no I'm acting. I don't want. This is not a singing gig. No." And apparently, yeah. like Tom Hanks told jokes instead, and the crowd was very disappointed that Madonna didn't sing. Honestly, like and- <laughs> I- I'm like, yeah, don't, don't. Like you, if you're a professional singer, like listen. I don't do this for free, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah she wouldn't do it. She would not. I'm She's like, I'm not entertaining. Yeah, I'm, I'm acting now. I am not entertaining all the extras. No. Her time is valuable. Yeah. <laughs> my call time is, is like, I looked at the sides today. I'm, I'm in my trailer till I'm on, till I'm yeah. on set. You yeah. Know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Rosie O'Donnell looks so young in this movie. <laughs> yeah. That's what's really striking to me. It's just what this movie forever is what Rosie O'Donnell looked like, but now it's like, oh, look how look what a young little cutie pie she was, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The music in this movie was weird to me. I mean, Hans Zimmer, great composer, but like John said at one point, it's like this is straight out of Aladdin, and I was like, oh no, it is. There the is, like, but it's the, some of the great montage stuff. Yeah. Uh, who cares if it's straight out of Aladdin? It's just 
so cheesy. It's this. But it works for the. But it's again. It's swinging. It's so swinging. Nineties. I mean, I like the music. Um, it's it has that thing where like another part of the nineties, all the scores were good. All the scores were memorable. You know, scores now are in terrible shape. Like I can't remember hardly any of them. Mm. You know, and uh, to me, is like a classic '90s score. Although, yeah, I mean, there's some kind of uh, maybe overly sentimental moments there, yeah. and I'm like, oh goodness, turn down the orchestra a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like you got those strings yeah. are too much right now. Yeah, this movie, the '90s were a sentimental era. And yeah, this yeah. is a sentimental mm. movie. And in that way, it's a really good choice for us to watch for 92 because it is such a slice of how cinema was then. And it's also like what um, I think you've said, Colin, I don't know where you got this. That it's a middle class movie. And that class of movie is, is kind of kind of dead right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like this movie. Let me see what it cost. Um, it's not like a low budget indie thing. It's not, and it's low not bu- a big epic high budget thing and those middle of the road movies were huge in the 90s and are mostly gone yeah no okay so this is a 40 million dollar movie so therefore it is like an expansive budget for what type of movie it is Mm -hmm. you know it's got big big stars in it like multiple big stars in it you know no expenses spared but it's not ultimately a huge movie yeah and like they like don't give that out anymore yeah. They don't like either you're a low budget movie or or you're a gigantic budget movie. Yeah, or you're I mean, like, yeah. yeah, and it's 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 kind of killed the rom-com genre cuz the rom-com genre lived in that 30, 40, 50 million dollar yeah. budget. Yeah. Oh my range. gosh, the 90s, the heyday yeah. of the rom-com. So I think like yeah, the 90s was a great era for that quote-unquote middle-class genre move, budget movie. And this is an excellent example. Yeah, of it's one a really good those. example of that. Yeah. And I, I love so. that genre cuz that was grandmommy's favorite genre and that's like still the genre of movie that we seek out when we're with our family, the Jorgensons, and we watch with Aunt Woodland. And and, and there's just not as many. I mean, you know, like... It's just such a nice... A24 doesn't make those movies, yeah. you know? It's so nice, again, to just put on on a rainy day and just get under a blanket and just watch. I mean, yes, maybe it's heavy-handed. Maybe it's sentimental. Maybe it's And schmaltzy. it's not very auteurish. It's, it's, not, it's not very personal. But it still you know? moves you. It's still emotional. It still has a, characters with interesting perspectives. It's still insightful. Like, it doesn't have to be this dark, low-budget statement, and it doesn't have to be this big, explosive, high-budget thing. This is such a great example of that 90s middle-of-the-road movie that, yeah, it was... It's kind of not here anymore. Yeah, that was special and nice, and I miss it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah. So that's why I picked this movie. Well, yeah. so it's one of your favorite movies. And You're allowed also, to pick one of your favorite and movies. And it also <laughs> is one of my all-time favorite movies because I identify so strongly with Dottie Henson. I mean, I would probably call it one of my all-time favorite movies just because it's like just been one of those movies that's kind of been part of my life forever yeah it's you know. delightful it's, it's a, a great movie yeah movie. yeah i like it <laughs> like i just like it and i don't think i have a particular reason to I guess, like it i guess we were all just now sitting with admitting we all just admitted earlier that it's maybe a little light yeah it's a little <laughs> that's light. all it's we not like here. some kind of grand statement movie yeah you say something's your favorite movie and you expect that to be like lawrence of arabia or something like yeah. it's like <laughs> something that is important with the capital i and it's like maybe my favorite oh, movie oh lawrence of arabia be. yeah hot take kind of light 
<laughs> All right, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Better yeah. example? Like, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you yeah. Want, you expect your favorite movie to be some kind of grand, deep, intellectual, powerful thing, and I mean, this is still pretty much yes, my favorite movie, and it's just warm. And it's just comforting. Yeah, I don't want to watch a big, deep movie all the time. I would watch this movie multiple times a year. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to watch 2001 more than once a year. Okay. <laughs> Here's a random thing is, so when I rewatched this, not today, but earlier, this or like a week or two ago, it suddenly occurred to me that it is very possible that that was the first time I've ever watched the movie from beginning to end. Oh, wow. It's one of those bits and pieces movies. Well, it's not. I mean, it's never bits and pieces. It's always like the movie's on somewhere. Yeah. Either you put it on or it yeah. got put on in Aniston or, or it's on TV. And I'll be like, oh, this movie's on. Well, I'm going to sit down and watch it. Yeah. Like that is almost every, the content. I never like I never myself never said I'm going to watch this movie right now. Yeah. Like that was never a choice I made. Hmm. But anytime it happened to be on, I would plop down. Yeah. So it was kind of like that was something that occurred to me when we, when I watched it recently is like I'm yeah, very possibly never yeah. in one sitting all the way through. Yeah. Oh man, I would put I would request this when I would go to weekends at grandmommy's and just quilt with just me and her. I would have this movie on. I, I mean, she liked I this would, movie because it's from her era. Yeah, yeah. It's from the 40s. It's a, from the 40s. She was their age in the 40s. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> another thing about it. Yeah, uh -huh. it's such a grandmommy movie, and I was so close to grandmommy. Yeah, there's just layers and layers of why I love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. We stand. And yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have to be some sweeping statement to be your favorite. We yeah. we love all movies here. We're all, everyone's invited to the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think especially these types of movies are invited to the table. Yeah. <laughs> you know? These types of movies maybe don't get enough credit. I guess yeah. that's what we're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, all right. What else are we consuming? Yeah. Are we... What else are we consuming? Uh, I've had a week off, so I haven't really been consuming much of anything besides children's television programs. Uh, <laughs> I've been consuming turkey. Yes, we've been consuming turkey and sidecars. <laughs> sidecars. Yeah. Yeah, we can't just leave it at that. I've been working a lot, and then when I wasn't working, I was gorging myself on turkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving week, y'all. We haven't uh -huh. been consuming much besides turkey. <laughs> I've been consuming... Um, Selling Sunset, which is a reality television show about what? selling rich properties in Hollywood. Wow. And the uh, broker office where a bunch of people work, and it's all dramatic, and it's really <laughs> dumb, and I, I really like it. <laughs> I've, I've really, like... I really do like reality TV. <laughs> like, I have watched a lot of it. I watched the whole season of Love is Blind, and and uh, that is an awful show. It seems kind of like both dumb and horribly unethical. Wow. And it's great. <laughs> and, and there I, is a dark side to John. There is the dark, his reality TV Yeah, I, I do like the I reality mean, TV. I mean, it really is nice to just watch something and not have your brain, like, fully engaged. Yeah. yeah it's something that, that grabs your full attention but not your entire brain. You know, yeah. that's that mm -hmm. you kind of need that sometimes. Sometimes you need rest. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so not ethical reality. Non non-ethical <laughs> actual crime moral crimes committed against people. 
and a film crew is there. <laughs> yeah, that's different from married at first sight, isn't it? Uh, it's the same theme. Okay, basically, you, you talk in a pod for a while. You don't see them, wow. and then you propose Ugh. to this person you've never seen. Oh no! And then you go meet them, and you have like literally a month or something to live out in the real world together. And then you get married. The quote that unquote. sounds traumatizing. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, it's really like... <laughs> well, like, I remember I watched an episode of that uh, Married at First Sight. Right? Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, I, I watched, like, two or three episodes with you one time, and I'm like, this is horrifying. And, yeah. then, like, oh, yeah. and, then, and then, like, 40 minutes later, I'm like, those two aren't right for each other. <laughs> yeah, you definitely immediately are just like, man... I like these two, though. Like, I have high hopes for these two. Yeah. Yeah. Gracious. It's horrible. Yeah. The world we live in, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. Well, are we done? Yeah, we're done. We're done. Okay. Night, night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.